Welcome to the Word of Faith Sermon Podcast with Pastor Hagen Lister. Join in with us today, ready to grow in your knowledge of the Bible with practical application for your everyday life. If you're interested in following or learning more, join us on our Facebook page at WOFTX or check out our website at WOFTX.com for location and service times. Now here's Pastor Hagen with today's message. to Matthew, the uh, 22nd chapter. Now, we've been, on, um, we've been on knowing how to know the season of the rapture here lately, and um, I, I fully intended just to kind of go with that as long as I needed to go with that, and, and uh, tonight, I'm not saying we might not pick back up on that, but tonight I, I had another message that I, I want to bring to you, and um, it's, it's on... Um, it's on the love of God, just maybe from a little bit different angle. And, uh, and a lot of times uh, when I preach on the love of God, I'll preach coming out of 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. And most of the time, I don't ever get to preach the end of 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, because I'm, I'm trying to focus on what love is not, because a lot of times, if we don't know what something is not, we don't know what something is, Right? And, uh, you know, like in your marriages or in raising kids and stuff, if you don't know what parenting is not, sometimes you don't know what it is. Or if you don't know what marriage is not, sometimes you don't know what it is. Well, if you don't know what the love of God is not, you don't have that, that parameter. And so a lot of times I spend a lot of time teaching on that. Um, but uh, tonight I want to focus a little bit more on the end of 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. And uh, and the the love message. And you know, the love message is really, uh, you know, hear me out before you shoot me down, but the love message really is uh, the only message a person would need to hear after the salvation message uh, to completely be in the will of God. And uh, the reason why is, you know, of course, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. Of course, we know that one, but... If you're in Matthew, the 22nd chapter, the 36th through 39th verse, um, they said, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And then verse 37, Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so when Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment in the law was, he responded to taking two commandments uh, and making them really one commandment and making, ta- taking all the, di- all the commandments and rolling in them into one. And you're going to see this here in a little while because, you know, basically, if you're actually walking in the love of God and you have the love of God working in you, if you could take every one of the Ten Commandments And if you're walking in the love of God, you're not going to break any one of the Ten Commandments. And so that's why Jesus was saying, listen, if you'll quit focusing on the do's and the don'ts and you'll focus more on how I've loved you and you loving me and then you loving your neighbor as yourself, all the the commandments, all the law is pretty much going to take care of itself. And really every failure that we've ever had relationally, whether it be between God or between people, has been because either we or someone that we're in relationship has walked out of love. Think about that. Somebody was selfish. Somebody was angry. Somebody, you know, uh, did this or did that, took an account of a suffered wrong, got offended. And so really every failure that we've ever had relationally 
or with God or with other people has always really been a love failure. So if we spend the rest of our lives humbled because of the fact that the creator of the universe sacrificed his only son to make us sons and daughters, and in return for that love, we loved him with all of our heart and loved our neighbor as ourselves, we'd have things pretty well licked, amen? So the aim, uh, the aim, and this is the goal of every believer, to walk in love. Everything you study and see in the word of God is wrapped up in love. It all comes back to love because God is love, and the Bible says that love is the greatest. And I've been saying this for years. I just need to go ahead and get on it and quit talking about it, but I've got about five chapters of a book written uh, that's called The Love Test. And the reason why I called it The Love Test is because I began to see as I began to develop in the Lord and began to believe God for things, um, that every time God had me in a, in a place where he was really about to open up things for me and open up things for my life, I would always mess it up. And, it, and, I, and I started going back to the time when I was, even when I was a kid. And it's not that God said, okay, I'm not doing that for you anymore. It's that I failed the test and I created something in my life that, that wouldn't allow that to happen anymore. And so something as simple as, I remember when I was a kid and, and um, you know, I never really had any pets or anything like that. I, I liked dogs, I liked cats and all that stuff, but I just didn't, I had a couple here and there that, that I would call mine, and, but I just never, I wasn't the one that was gonna bring home the strays. I wasn't the one that was gonna, you know, want the new puppy and all that stuff, but my sister was, and she's still that way. And so we had a pack of dogs or cats from time to time. So we lived in the country. We didn't have fences. We didn't have, we, we didn't chain our dogs up or anything. Dogs were just neighborhood dogs and somehow the dogs kind of knew this was our yard and that's your yard. But, you know, as they do, they kind of wander around and so, you know, it was always the strongest survive. So, and, and, and nobody got anything fixed. So sometimes you had 50 dogs and two cats and other times you had 50 cats and two dogs. And they were just everywhere. And so, I remember one day, it was kind of coming up around Christmas time and and, and my stepdad's always been so good to me and always wanted to do things for me and stuff, even if it was, you know, beyond our means and everything. And, and uh, I didn't know this at the time, but he was really wanting to buy me a dual sport motorcycle, like a dirt bike. And he had all the, all the uh, paperwork and everything, all the brochures, and he was looking at this, and he's basically begging my mom. And my mom's like, no, we're not going to get in debt to do this and all this stuff. And I didn't know all this was going on. And, uh, and so one evening, I'm, I'm probably sitting there laying, watching TV or something. Mom comes in and says, hey, go feed the dogs and cats. Uh, they're not my dogs and cats. Well, I didn't ask you that. Go feed the dogs and cats. Well, they're not mine. They're, they're sisters. And I, she needs to feed her dogs and cats. You know, and I started, you know, started in like any other kid. And, and so finally, I, I got up stomping and huffing. And I remember I went outside and I kicked every dog bowl to the woods. And I mean, I was slamming stuff and kicking stuff probably saying stuff, and I mean, just, just stupidity over having to feed the dogs and cats, you know? And so my mom, unbeknownst to me, is watching out the window as I act an utter fool over having to water dogs and cats. I remember when I walked in, she yanked me up, and she brought me to the back room, and uh, she opened up the cabinet way on top, and she dug in the back, and she got all them brochures out, and she threw them down, and she said, and, you know, this is what my, your, your, your dad was trying to do for you, and, and because he wants to bless you and all this stuff, and, and, and you can't even go out and feed the dogs and cats without causing a fuss. I can't tell you how many times. I, would, I always say it like this. I was a pretty good kid about 98% of the time, but a couple of times a year, I was going to pull one. And every time, it was about the time that, that I was about to get blessed. Well, 
you know, that kind of followed me into adulthood and even into Christianity. And um, there was times where, especially when it was leading up to me becoming an actual pastor, where I was, I was going, transitioning from being associate pastor, a staff pastor, into actually being a pastor. And I remember there was, there was, there was three distinct times uh, where I had, and, and later on I began to call it this, a, a love test. And I didn't recognize it the first time. And I, and I started to recognize it the second time. And then the third time is when it all clicked and I was able to pass that test. And, and um, so, you know, and I won't get into the details of all that happened, but it just generally uh, was with people. And most of the time, and, I, and I'm telling the truth about this, I'm not trying to say that nothing's ever my fault. I'm just saying that most of the time, the, at least the first couple of times, it was with people who they were actually in the wrong and they pushed my buttons until the point where I just had to stand up for myself and say something. Was as much as I thought me, what I was going to say was going to feel good, it didn't feel good at the end. And I knew something had changed because just right before all that, it felt like doors were opening for me to go pastor. It felt like things were really kind of beginning to, to work that way. And as soon as I lashed out and I did that and I didn't walk in love towards something, it's like everything closed back down. And it was like, it's time to make another lap around the track. And I got to that second time, same thing, you know, and, and it, was, it, it was all the same. It was almost like deja vu. This is a different person, different scenario, but same things going on. So by the third time, again, things were kind of getting to that point where we started hearing that there could be a possibility of pastoring here or pastoring there. And I didn't want to just go anywhere. I didn't want to just go find a church and go. I wanted to be at the place that the Lord really would have me to be. And... Um, and so I, I recognized that, and a situation came up where I could have walked out of love and been justified for it. And instead of doing that, it was like the Holy Spirit rose up in me and said, you, you need to pass this one. And, and I stopped, and, and I didn't have to be right, and I didn't have to prove myself, and I didn't have to do anything like that. I just walked in love towards that person. And as I walked in love towards that person, it's like all of a sudden things just supernaturally fell into place. And that's the time where everything clicked together and I felt like the Lord just said, you, you passed the love test. And, and, and here's the thing about it. People will think that the Lord is testing you, but the Lord's not testing you, but he does oversee the test. Can I say that again? The Lord doesn't test you. The world will provide the test. People will provide the test. The enemy will provide the test. But God is watching over what you do with those situations, how you react and what you say and what you think, and not, maybe not even what you say to the person but what you say about the person to someone else, God's watching over all of that. And, and this one particular test, it was with someone that I really wanted to be my friend and we really had an opportunity to be friends, but his competitiveness wouldn't allow that because he was always trying to compete with me even though I wasn't trying to compete with him. And so therefore he was going around my back and saying stuff and everything. And, and um, I, I don't think that I've ever been more um, upset with a person in my life and to the point where I just was miserable anytime I ever thought I had to go be around them. And uh, one day out here in the, in the parking lot, I was power washing this parking lot, and I began to pray. And every time I would think about that person and what they'd done, I'd pray. And it would be all right for a little while, and then it would come back, and I'd pray, and it'd come back. And so finally, instead of praying uh, just for me to stop being angry about it, I started praying for that person's blessings. I started praying for that person's wife and that person's children and that person's livelihood and the will of God for that person, the joy of the Lord being in their home. And I don't know that it changed anything with that actual person, 
But I know it changed something in me that day and I got free from that and was able to pass that. And a few years later, there was a man in the church that we pastored in Magnolia that, um, you know, I, I, had, um, I had already come up with um, a, a good sermon that I would preach him if we, if we ever had a confrontation one-on-one. -on -one. And it was going to be a good one. And he wasn't going to be left standing. And uh, there was an opportunity that came in and he, he really did some ugly things to some people in the church and uh, so I, I had him dead to rights. And so I, I pulled him in my office. I said, we need to talk. And uh, he began to kind of light into me and uh, actually um, fixing to go preach on a Sunday morning. And he's cussing me in my own office. And uh, I stood up. And when I stood up, the Holy Spirit stood up inside of me and said, this is, this is a love test. And when he said that, I sat back down on my couch and I crossed my legs and I looked at him and I called him my name. And I said, you know, I love you and I love your wife and I love your kids you're a wonderful family, and, and I just began to minister to him, and I, and I told him, you know, at the end of it, we, I just told him, I said, um, you know, I think the problem here is, is that you don't like the way I pastor, and you're not going to allow me to pastor you, and if you're not going to allow me to pastor you, I love you enough to say, you need to find somebody that will pastor you, and, and then his reply was, I pastor myself, and I said, well, I think that's probably the problem. I said, because nobody pastors herself. I don't even pastor myself. And I said, I'm not trying to be ugly. I said, but you need to find somebody to pastor you. And I said, I, I don't want you to go nowhere. I don't want you to leave. I, I love y'all. And uh, I said, everything's good. I said, me and you can have a great conversation outside the four walls of these church. I said, but something happens to you when you walk in this church. And I said, but if you need to go somewhere else, I said, um, you know, I, I, would, I would pray with you about that, try to help you with that. And, and I said, but one thing we need to do is we need to make sure that we don't walk out of here not liking each other and not loving each other. And we need to love each other when we walk out of here. So, I, so I'm telling you right now, I love you and I want what's best for you. And I won't ever talk bad about you a day in, day in your life. Now, y'all, you don't know who he is and I'm not using his name. So it's just an illustration for you. <clears throat> and he agreed to the same thing. As far as I knew, he never did. But every time his wife and his kids saw me in town, they'd just cry because they'd want to be back. And so, you know, I, I, still, I still pray for them. I think they're doing, all doing really good. But I, I know that I know if I hadn't have passed that test right there, I probably could have blown up the church right there. And, um, and, and it's not because I'm smart. It's because you have to allow the Holy Spirit to work in you, and you have to allow the Holy Spirit to work in you in the ways of love. Amen? Amen. So everything you study and see in the Word of God is wrapped in love. It all comes back to love because God is love. And the Bible says love is the greatest. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, Now abides faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Pursue love, chapter 14, verse 1 says, and desire spiritual gifts. So our pursuit always in the kingdom of God has got to be love. We can't pursue after just to be spiritual, or the Bible says spiritual gifts. You can desire spiritual gifts. You can desire to be a spiritual person. You should desire to be spiritual. We desire for spiritual gifts to work in this place. Why? Because spiritual gifts are what set people free. It's what can deliver people. It can, it, it's what can heal people. It's what can uh, mend families back together. But the only way those spiritual gifts have operation in your life or here in the church is if we're in pursuit of love and not just being spiritual. It's getting the, ca the cart before the horse if you're, if you're gonna be, try to be spiritual without walking in love. I know a lot of people that know a lot about the Bible and they walk around and they're real, real spiritual, but they know nothing about walking in the love of God. And you can tell by the way they treat people when people don't act the way they think they ought to act. Amen? 
Ephesians 4.15 says, Speaking the truth in love, that you may grow up into all things into him who is the head, which is Christ. Now Paul, he prayed for the church at Philippi in uh, Philippians um, chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. Listen to this prayer that Paul prayed for this church. He says, In this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. That your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. Watch this, verse, verse 10. That you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. To the glory and praise of God. I, I want you to see this right here. It's not that you just, that you know about love. He said that you, that you may, be, may abound that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. You know what will help you walk in love towards people more than anything? Allowing God to give you knowledge and discernment about the situation with the person. Amen? Amen. To give you knowledge and discernment about that and not to just look at it from your point of view. And uh, I, I told this story last night. I won't, I won't take, make it a real long story tonight, but I told this story last night in the men's meeting, but, but my buddy um, that uh, I ministered to years ago, and his life was, uh, was a wreck, and, and he's doing phenomenal now. He called me the other night, and he just wanted to, uh, he said, I, I was telling my wife that, um, you know, I really want to call Hagen and tell him how good I'm doing, but I don't seem like I'm bragging. She said, I think Hagen would like for you to call and brag about how good you're doing. And so he called me, he said, I'm just, I'm just calling to you how good I'm doing. I said, well, good. He said, me and my wife are doing devotions together, we're praying together, you know, uh, and, and do all these things. And, and so as we talked, um, he was telling me about a situation. He, he managed big building projects out in the uh, west of the country. And um, he, um, he was telling me about all the things he was doing. And he was telling me about this, this uh, electrician that was on the job and, and uh, just having problems getting him out there. And it was causing problems. And he was, he was about to, you know, go off on the guy and couldn't get a hold of him, call him and call him and is setting everything back and stressing him out. And he said, you know, lo and behold, and it's not like they live in a little small town like this. They, he's having to travel a long way. So it was kind of, I think, kind of miraculous that they even ran into each other. But he said he was checking out in the grocery store and he kind of turned and looked and the guy walked in the grocery store and when he looked at him, he saw him and the guy ducked him and he said, it made me even matter. He said, I want to track him down. I want to tell him all, uh, tell him off and tell him everything and and um, he said, I, I just kind of checked out and went out. And he said, then I turned around and he's, he's behind me in the parking lot. And he said, so I just turned around and went up to him. He said, the guy looked a little scared. And he said, and he said all of a sudden, I just felt like th this is not a time to, to, to tell him off. It's a time to minister to him. And, and this guy, is, that's not him. And he just simply asked the guy, he said, hey, man, you all right? What's going on? And the guy just began to pour his heart out to him and said he, you know, is alcoholic and depressed and stressed out and all these things. And, and so long story short, he just, he just asked the guy, he said, well, have you, have you been talking to God any? And he said, no, I hadn't really been doing it. He said, well, man, that's what I do and that's what's been helping me. And then he began to check on the guy. Anyway, long story short, the guy's doing really good now. Well, what was that? That's an opportunity that he could have taken because from his point of view, you're making my life difficult. You just need to do your job so that my life can be the way it needs to be. And, and in a moment there, the Holy Spirit rose up in him and, and he was able to see that guy as God sees that guy. That he's got all these problems in his life going on 
and that and and somebody you know further show, telling him how much of a failure he is was not what he needed. He needed somebody just to say, "Hey, how are you okay? What's going on?" And then point him in the way of Jesus. And that's what the love of God on the inside of us does. Amen. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, now abides faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Um, so Paul also prayed for the uh, Colossians, and uh, this is what he prayed for the Colossians. It says that, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love. I like that. That their hearts may be encouraged. So he's writing these letters to these churches and he's saying, I want your hearts to be encouraged and I want you to knit your hearts together in love and attain to all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ and whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so here we see in both times when he's praying and he's talking about love, He's also talking about when you, when you really begin to understand the concept of the love of God, it's not just that you're going to be lovey-dovey, all right? Because a lot of times we put love in the category of just being, you know, a, a hugger. You know what I'm saying? And some people are huggers and some people aren't. But that's not, that's not at all what that's talking about. It's talking about when you begin to understand the love of God, that there's also knowledge, discernment, and wisdom that comes with that. What do you think that knowledge and discernment and wisdom is going to do for you uh, in, in the world? It's going to help you make the right decisions at the right time, not just make decisions that you can justify. That's good if, in case you didn't hear that. A lot of times we make decisions that we can justify, but they may not be the right decision for the long haul. I've made a lot of decisions in my life that, that I justified, but in the end, it didn't really help me any. But when you walk in the love of God, right here, we can get wisdom from God, knowledge from God, and discernment from God in that situation. If we'll, if we'll decide that I'm going to walk in love first before I fly off the handle, or I'm going to walk in love first before I get offended, or I'm going to walk in love first before this, that, and the other. And the reason why is because I know when I walk in love, God can maybe give me some discernment, some knowledge about the situation, some wisdom about the situation, where I can make the best decision and do the best thing for this situation so that I can look down the road and go, I, I, actually, I actually prospered in that moment. I didn't, I didn't cause myself damage. Amen? There's been a lot of situations with a lot of people that if I had done that, I would have prospered in that situation rather than caused myself damage in that situation. But then there's been a lot of times where I have listened to the Holy Spirit and a bad situation turned out for my good. Amen? Every good thing that God has for you is hidden behind the door of love. Not perfection of actions, but purity of heart and motive. Let's go to um, 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. You get anything out of this? Amen. 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. And uh, we'll read verses 1 through 8. We're not going to spend a whole long, long time on, on, on all this up, up at the top, but we'll just read through it. Most of the time we just read this at the wedding day, but here's the thing. You could probably skip this at the wedding day and read this every day after that and you'd be much better off. And on the wedding day, you don't need this scripture, you know, because it's, it's all just fun love. 
but it's the next day and the next day and the next day. And then when you get home from the honeymoon and the dirty drawers are in the living room or whatever, and the, the, they, didn't, they put the cup in the wrong place and the dishwasher wasn't loaded right and the yard's not mowed and, you know, all that stuff. I'm sorry, Tyler, I'm just telling off on you. He's got looking. Don't, don't look at me like that and you're telling off on yourself. That's when you start needing to read 1 Corinthians 13, Peyton. Though I speak, <laughs> just mess with y'all. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long, so this is when he gets into what, what love does and what love does not. But before that, he's making this very big, bold statement, just as Jesus did. This is the Apostle Paul talking to Corinthians. But Jesus made a bold statement, too. He said, what's the greatest law in all the commandments? We read it at the beginning in Matthew. He says, you love the Lord your God with everything, and you love your neighbor as yourself. And the, and the one is just as, as important as the other. That's a very bold statement. Now, Paul's making a bold statement and saying, listen, you could do anything you wanted to do that seems good and right in the world all the way down to literally sacrificing your body. And if you are not walking in love, if you didn't do it with the motive of love, it actually accounts for nothing as it concerns God. Verse four, though, he starts saying, he says, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy Love does not parade itself, it's not puffed up, does not behave itself rudely, does not seek its own, it's not provoked. It thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. And this is where I want to get to tonight right here, verses 7 and 8. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And of course we know verse 8 says, and love never fails. But Paul has been explaining to the church at Corinth that there is a God kind of love, or he, he, in the original translation, it's the agape love, or the God kind of love, that as believers, we're called to walk in. And that agape love of God is, is so much different, and um, sorry, a, a chapter in my book is coming back, but it, it, I, I talk about all the different types of, uh, of love that we have um, that. In the, in the Greek world, in the Greek language that this was written in, they would have had about eight or nine different words that we actually just say love. For instance, I, I love hamburgers, right? And I love my wife, and I love you, brother, and um, all those different types, all those are different types of love, and we somehow understand what those are to a degree um, because we understand who we're talking to and, who, and what we're talking about, right? But I think also in the process, because we use the word love for almost any and everything as, as just a regular word nowadays, it's so watered down that when we talk about the love of God, we almost think that, well, if I just get along with people and I, I just like people and, and, and I just kind of sort of do what's right, then I'm actually walking in the love of God. When the agape love of God it is so much more extreme than what most of us consider love. It's so much more extreme. And so he's talking about this. And uh, he says that, that love is not vengeful. It doesn't matter 
what has happened to you. It doesn't seek vengeance. It's not offended. It doesn't matter what's happened to you. When you're offended, and now, now just hold on to your seat for a second or move your toes back for just a second, but when you are offended, you're just as much wrong as the person who offended you because they didn't walk in love towards you and then you didn't walk in love into response to that to, to overcome that offense. Now, I'm not gonna leave you hanging here because we can't do this on our own, so I'll kind of give you that little sneak peek and I'll, I'll tell you in a minute how we're, how we're gonna be able to do this because uh, as, as you read it in, in the Bible, it's impossible like for a human to do this. But nonetheless, Paul commands us to do this, and so he does that because Jesus commanded us to do this. But, but he says love is not vengeful, it's not offended, it's not fearful, it's not jealous, it's not unforgiving, it's not finicky like natural human love, it's the God kind of love. And since now we are believers and God moved on the inside of us, that kind of love needs to be allowed to work in and through us. Romans, the fifth chapter, the fifth verse Paul tells the Romans this. He says, now hope does not disappoint, watch this, because the love of God, now that's the same word, that's the agape, love of God. That's the same type of love that's being defined in 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. He says, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So here's the thing. When we read that, we go, how in the world am I going to experience something from someone who is negative that deeply hurts me, and how are you going to tell me that if I get offended, I'm the one that's wrong? How, how, that didn't, I, it wasn't my fault. You know, I hated that as a kid more than anything. I, I'm the type of person that if I did something wrong, I will come to you crying and begging for your forgiveness. But if I didn't do anything wrong and you're accusing me of something wrong, I'm fighting because I hate that. And I'll be mad because I hate that. And that's what we have to get over when we get into situations like that when we truly probably haven't been wrong, making sure that we don't get over into wrong. Because we can go from being innocent to being wrong really quick in the eyes of God by how we respond to what happens. And I know it's not easy it's actually impossible for you. But if you're a believer, the Bible says right here, the love of God has been poured out in you by the Holy Spirit whom you have received. So that type of love is in you if you're a believer. And if it's in you, then the only thing stopping you from using it is using it, accessing that. Saying, God, this is too big for me. I'm not saying that you can't get angry, but the Bible says be angry and sin not. How do you make sure it doesn't turn into sin? Well, if you're angry, you gotta understand how to deal with that anger before it gets too bad, right? Anybody ever accidentally started a fire? Nobody? I'll, I'll, I'll raise my hand. I mean, I didn't mean to. I mean, I guess it wasn't an accident, but it happened, Right? You know, maybe you're burning something and their little, little cinder got over there and got started. What do you do? You go, ah, it'll take care of itself. No. Do you throw gas on it? No. If, unless you're me, I've done that a couple times, but no. You go over there and you stomp it out, right? And that's really how offense is and that's really how fear is and that's, how, that's really how all these things are, vengeance is. It's a little fire. You, you get sparked and maybe you, you didn't do anything to deserve that. 
But a lot of times people go, well, you sparked the fire on the inside of me. It's your responsibility to put it out. Let me give you a newsflash. Nobody's coming to put that fire out in you. They don't care. If they care, they wouldn't have sparked the fire in the first place. So it's your responsibility, or you can just say, I'm just going to let it burn because I kind of like it. I kind of like the idea that one day I'll get, to, I'll get to spark a fire in them, and that's when God says, no, 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 now you're in sin. And this is hard, especially, I think, for red-blooded Americans, especially Southern Americans, that you do me wrong, and I'm, buddy, I'm, I'm going to do you wronger. Right? But that's not how the love of God is. I think the love of God would say more like this, you did me wrong and now I'm gonna wait for an opportunity to do you so good that God comes into your life and destroys all that in you. Not destroys you, but destroys all that in you. Is this okay? So now hope does not disappoint, Romans 5, 5, because the love of God has been poured out in your hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. But nearing the the end of Paul's definition of the God kind of love, he puts four kind of exclamation points on the love chapter, as as we call it. Uh, Number one, he says, the love of God bears all things. So this word bears literally means to cover. And it means to cover like a roof on a house, and its function is to protect the inhabitants from exposure to outside influences. That's really what, when that word bears up under anything, it literally means to cover, to cover like a roof. So the roof of the house is a shield for us um, uh, against storms. It's a shield for us against heat. It's a shield for us against cold, wind, you know, hail damage or whatever. And one of the first things that, you know, I, I like to watch a lot of these survival shows and stuff. One of the first things they, they teach you when, you when you get there, you gotta do what? You gotta find shelter. Why? Because if you don't find shelter, then you could die of exposure. If you die of exposure, you, you, you're, you're gone before you ever got a chance to survive. <clears throat> there are different seasons in life, just like there are different seasons here. And more importantly, there are different seasons in, in the people around you's life. And when they're going through a different season in their life and maybe they don't know how to deal with it, uh, you can choose to cover them with the agape love of God or to expose them to the elements. And a lot of times, if we're honest, because we might be jealous or we might be vengeful or something like that, then maybe we smiled at that person every time we walked past them, but we're just kind of waiting for them to bite the dust so that we can go, ha ha, I told you they weren't a good person and uncover them. But we know that the love of God covers a multitude of sins. A person who walks in love will conceal and cover and protect you. And I'm not talking about things that are criminal. Don't misunderstand me. I'm talking about shortcomings and mistakes and and offenses and things. And I, and I know we've all been guilty of it because I've been guilty of it and I've, I've, I've pastored long enough to know, but when somebody offends us or when somebody does something to us, the first thing we really wanna do is we wanna go find somebody that will open up their ears so that we can uncover that person and we can uncover the type of person that they are 
because we want other people to hear what we're going through so we can get other people on our side to help us un completely uncover this person. So we can ostracize this person because we don't like the way that person made us feel. And we want other people to not like that person too. But the love of God doesn't do that. The love of God bears all things. Amen? Not only are we called to do this, but the good thing is God also does this because he loves us. How many times have you done something that he could have busted you for, but his love covered you? Amen? That he was patient with you. There's been times um, as a father that, you know, I've disciplined my, my children for things and different things, and I, and I don't think it's wrong to discipline your children, <coughs> but at the same time, correcting them, and I don't think it's wrong to correct your children. But there's been times where the Lord has said, aren't you glad I don't discipline you and correct you that, that minutely? And that got to my heart, because I was like, yeah. He's like, you, you're not even hitting the mark you're expecting them to hit. And they may not know it, but I know it. And so that, that if you allow the love of God, that's the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, that love that's been poured out in you, if you'll allow it to let you, let it mold you on the inside of you and let it, let it um, continually work on you, then eventually you'll begin to walk more and more in the love of God. It's not something that's gonna happen overnight. But if you don't ever start somewhere and you don't ever start letting the love of God chip away at some of those hard edges, then he's never gonna get you into that place uh, where, you're, where you're really gonna be able to be usable because he can't trust that if, if, if he, he allows you to be the person that really you need to be in your family's life and in the community's life and stuff like that, if he can't trust that you're actually gonna treat people right, then why would he ever give you people to be in your life? Amen? I had a word for um, the church in, in Magnolia one time about this and, uh, and I believe it was a strong word from the Lord that, that he gave me. And, and the word was, and I think it'd be a word for every, any church, every church, our church today. And that is that, that it, and, and what he told me, he said, if, if, if you don't treat people with the love of God when they walk in those doors, the, the Lord will never trust us with anybody else. And I think there's a lot of churches that do not grow and things that, and people don't go there because the Lord knows that he can't trust them with people. And I had a guy actually, after I said that, and it had been a couple of years later, there was another pastor in town, and he had started a church, and he had an opportunity um, to go pastor a church over here in, uh, I don't know if it was Houghton or uh, somewhere in that area. Um, and, um, and he came to me and he said, listen, he said, um, he said, I've got about 20 people. He said, I've been pastoring them. And, um, and he said, um, you know, I can't make anybody do anything. He said, but I, I don't feel like the Lord wants me to pass this church on to anybody. I feel like the Lord wants me to just shut the doors. It's kind of a little small storefront church. He said, but I've been watching you. And he said, I've been watching your church and I've watched your people and I knew the people before you got there and after you got there. And, uh, and he said, I, I'm, I'm just letting you know that when I stand up and tell my church that I'm leaving, I'm gonna point them all in the direction of your church. He said, because um, I know that... Um, that I can trust you with the people that God's trusted me with because you're gonna love them. And to me, that's the biggest compliment I could have ever gotten. And it's just because that's, that is my heart. And it's not necessarily always been my heart, 
Um, I wanted it to be my heart, but your immaturity gets in the way, especially when you're young. But it's, the Lord's been continually able to hone me because I have repeatedly looked in the mirror of the word of God when I have shortcomings and when I have failures, especially in this area. Because I think you can get through a lot of other types of, of, of human error and a human failure if you're working on this right here. And you're continually becoming um, a person who is sensitive to the love of God on the inside of you, working with people. Again, it's not the lovey-dovey love. I mean, you might just be a hugger, and that's fine, but that doesn't automatically equate to you walking in the love of God. You might be somebody who's really stoic and, and, you know, and, and, and kind of has a personal space or whatever, but that doesn't mean that, that you can't walk in the love of God because the love of God is not this lovey-dovey love. It's something that's really strong, and it takes a really strong person to sit in situations where you want to be justified in the moment and not lash out. And you want to be justified in the moment. You want to scream out, that's not me. I didn't do that. I don't understand what's happening here. That's what you want to say out loud. But the love of God a lot of times will keep your mouth shut. And, and, and not too awful long ago, I remember the Lord just telling me, uh, there was some things going on, and he just said, he just said, you just sit tight. He said, it might take some years, but, but your character will win out in the end. I promise you. And, and so I did. And I, and I wanted to. I wanted to, I wanted to stand on the, on the highest part of the town and say, that's, that's not me. I, I, I don't know what's going on here. But the love of God will keep you from doing those things. Um. This phrase here in the Bible, literally, if you studied out, it could be read like this. Love protects, love shields, love guards, love covers, love conceals, and safeguards people from exposure. If you always want to know the dirt and take joy in exposing people to the elements, you're not walking in the love of God. You should never want to and enjoy the opportunity to contribute to someone else's downfall. 1 Peter 4, 7 through 8, let's read that. It says, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. So the love of God can bear anything. The next thing he said, he said it bears all things. He said it believes all things. And uh, we'll be a little quicker with this one. Because uh, we, we got one more. So the love of God bears under anything and it believes all things. And this word believes means to put one's faith or trust in something or someone. This, con this is constant, continuous entrusting of someone's faith in something or someone with a never get up attitude that something will turn out for the very best. So we can say that the God kind of love causes the believer to believe the best in every situation. It doesn't mean that you're dumb or blind to what's going on. That's not what I'm saying. Because a lot of people will just continually run into the same toxic situation and they'll say, I'm just loving that person. Or they'll continually uh, enable somebody over and over and over and over again and they'll say, well, I'm just, I'm just trying to love them. That's, that's not really what that's saying. What that's saying is even in those moments where you may have to 
cut off certain things because it's not helping that person, but you didn't give up on them, that you're still believing and that you're still looking for God. Remember, the love of God can cause wisdom and discernment and knowledge in those situations where he can actually show you what is going to actually help in that situation. But it never stops believing. The love of God never stops believing. If you have someone in your life and they're, they're far from God and they're away from God or whatever, never stop believing that they'll come to God. You may have to limit their interaction in your life because of their behavior. But it doesn't mean that you just cut them off from saying, I don't think that I'm ever going to believe for them again. Now, you can't do that. I've got people in my life that I've just had to say, um, we were both traveling the same direction and I'm still believing that I'm going the right direction. And they decided that they wanted to go another direction. And because they decided to go another direction, they're mad at me because I didn't go the same direction. Or they're mad at me because I don't support the direction they went. And I don't support the direction you went, but I do believe in you. And no, I'm not getting off the path that I'm supposed to be in because then I'd be trespassing against Loving God with everything, because this is me loving God with everything. I believe I'm going the direction God wants me to be. If that's where you're supposed to go, I wish you well. I can't support that, but I do love you, and I do believe in you, and I'm believing with you until the very end. I believe in you. Don't believe in what you're doing all the time, but I believe in you. And some people can't handle that. Some people think that if you love me, you'll do everything that I'm doing, and you'll, you'll um, uh, approve everything that I'm doing. And that's just not true. But you are supposed to believe. So it doesn't mean that you're dumb or blind to what's going on. It simply means that you choose to believe that in every situation there is still hope and that your faith is not disturbed by what you see. When you decide to see beyond the problems and conflicts that you have with a person and endeavor to believe that that person will reach the highest potential in God, you're walking in love. We can easily apply this to our children, our spouses, our bosses, our coworkers, our family members. This is, this is not mind control over forcing your will on a person. So it's not saying, well, I'm just believing that you're gonna do everything. No, that's not what that means. It's not mind control or forcing someone, uh, forcing your will on someone. You're simply choosing to believe the best because you're walking in love. Be love believes all things. Love uh, strains forward with all its might to believe the very best in every situation. The third thing is love hopes in all things. And this really expounds on the last one, believes all things, uh, but hopes in all things means it all, love always has a positive expectation. In every situation and circumstance, you're expecting and anticipating the very best to happen for others. You're expecting and anticipating the very best to happen for others, so it hopes in all things. How many times do, um, do we find ourselves kind of expecting the negative to happen? Well, I hope that works out for you, you know. I, I recently was convicted about something the, uh, uh, through, through uh, something else. It, it was nothing bad, but somebody said they were gonna do something, and I never gave it a thought about maybe it was what God wanted them to do. I just thought it was silly because I would never do it that way. And so I just kind of chuckled, and I, and I didn't say good luck with that, but I, I, basically it was something like that. And then later on, I, I, I saw something that, 
kind of, there, there was an encouraging thing for what that person wanted to do, and I felt bad because I didn't encourage them in that. I didn't hope in all things. I didn't say, well, if that's what the Lord wants you to do, then, then get after it. It just, it went to a natural place in my mind, and that's not how I would do it, and that's not how everybody else would do it, and there's so much better way to do that, so why would you do it that way? But you know, love hopes in all things. You know, if you see somebody getting married to the wrong person, and you know, and everybody else knows, that ain't gonna turn out good. Well, it's a done deal now. Let's start praying that it turns out good. Amen? Let's start believing for the very best. Or when you see somebody make a decision you don't agree with, when you get news that could potentially affect you negatively, what is your confession in those times? When you hear that, we went to, uh, we went to Blake Barr's uh, father's funeral today, Mr. Charles, he passed away from ALS. And um, Blake got up and did a, a phenomenal job, spoke about his dad. And um, you know, I've been to a lot of funerals and I have to really make sure that when I go there, I'm not, I'm not calloused to being around those situations and that I still open up my heart in those times. Um, because the Bible does say that we need to weep with those who mourn and, um, you know, in those times. And, and, uh, but just to be honest with you, they're, they're, I find myself being able to make it through a lot of them, even tough ones, and you know, it's, it's, uh, it can kind of become commonplace for you. And um, so I was there, and we were there at the funeral. And as soon as Blake got up to speak, I knew. I said, I'm in trouble. I'm going to be sobbing like a baby. And uh, he did a phenomenal job. But one of the things that he said um, that matches up with this is Mr. Charles, they said when, he said, when, when my dad heard that he for sure was diagnosed with ALS, he said, it was like you just told him he just had a cavity or something. He took that news just like he had a cavity or something. And, and I've, I'd gone to see him several times, even in the hospital, and then in his uh, just last few days of his life. And, if, and, and he would muster up everything he had to smile at you when, he, when you came in. And I thought to myself, you know, that right there, that man must have such a hoping in all things on the inside of him, the love of God on the inside of him. And every person that would come through, they said he would, he would always ask them, are you saved? And, you know, and, and all those things. And, and, and he would ask him about other people that weren't there, you know, that they might could talk to. And um, I, I believe that in, those, in, in some of the, the worst times, his, his confession was, I'm gonna hope in all things. And, and that's how we have to be as believers, the love of God being on the inside of us. So don't always assume failure or a bad result. Love hopes in every and in all situations. It has a positive expectation that everything is gonna come out for the very best. Of course, we know Romans 8, 28, that says, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God. And I'm kinda going through this last one pretty quick, but um, the last one, uh, it endures all things. So the word endures here describes a person who is under a heavy load but refuses to surrender to defeat because he knows uh, that he's in the right place doing the right thing. Now, when you're enduring something, that's the key. You gotta know you're in the right place doing the right thing because if you're just hard-headed and you're just doing the wrong thing and you're just gonna keep doing the wrong thing until something else happens, you're probably just gonna wear yourself out. But when you know you're in the right place doing the, doing the right thing, then the word of God says right here, the love of God inside of us can endure 
all things. This means that the God kind of love in us gives us the power to never yield, never quit, never give up because we're, uh, we are where we're supposed to be doing what we're supposed to be doing. When you're walking in love, it causes you to work it out and never walk away no matter the time or the cost involved. You're, you're staying in your position of love even when it hurts. Natural human love will, will, will eventually say, I'm done. I'm just done. But that's not the God kind of love. No, love never quits, never surrenders, never gives up, and endures all things. So love of God makes you supernaturally strong, and this is where the Christian battle, I think, is being lost a lot of times, is because we're not relying on the greatest strength that we have, which is the love of God on the inside of us. And you say, uh, why would the love of God be the, bi the, the biggest strength to the Christian's life? Because it was the love of God that overcame all the sin and all the world by every person that has ever committed sin or ever will commit sin. The love of God is what paid for that. You say, no, Jesus paid for that. Well, if God had not had love for us to send his son, then Jesus would have never died for us and we would have never had that ability to come to him. And so love is the actual strongest uh, element in the entire world. All the universes and all everything that's ever been made, love is the greatest thing because the Bible says that God is love. That's what he is. He is love. And this is probably in short, but it's the best we have right now on this side of heaven. This is the definition of God's kind of love. This is the kind of love not only that he expects us to walk in now that we have the Holy Spirit in us, but this is the type of love that God has for you. Think about that. When you've done some of the most offensive things towards God, he chooses not to be offended at you because he loves you. Amen? Bible says love, love takes no account of a suffered wrong. Amen. So when you do wrong things, God doesn't even write it down. You say, well, no, wait a minute. I'm, my, all my days are written. It, they are. But the Bible also says that he chooses to forgive our sins and remember them no more. How can he do that? Because he loves you. And he doesn't expect us to play by rules that he doesn't play by. And this is, what, this is his love. This is his kind of love. And he says, I've loved you this way, and now my commandment is that you love me back that way and that you love your neighbor as yourself that way. Amen? Last thing, love is not an emotion, it's a fruit of the Spirit. So go to Galatians, the fifth chapter, and we're just going to read this, and then I'll pray for you. Where are you at? Galatians 5, verse 13. It says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use the liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
So it has to be yielded. The love of God has to be yielded to on a daily basis, on an hourly basis, on a minute-by-minute basis. But your life will be so full of peace, it'll be so full of power and grace, and you'll truly be fruitful in the kingdom of God. I believe that. There's been so many times where I couldn't figure out kind of what was wrong with me. And it all boiled back to I'm only thinking about how things affect me. What someone did to me. What's not being done for me. What I don't have. What these people don't, aren't doing or need to be doing. And when I get in that mode and everything is about how things affect me and what about me, I can't be right here. And I'm miserable and I don't have peace and I'm stressed out. But if I'll remember, if I'll just stay in the power of walking in the love of God, that peace returns, that confidence returns. And really, you can stand up against anything. And a lot of times I've found myself just kind of, not in, not in a weird way, but just kind of when something comes down the pipe and I'm, I'm, I'm walking in the love of God, it's almost a little comical. I just kind of chuckle about it a little bit. It's like, well, aren't you worried about that? Nah. Uh, we had a situation in, in Arkansas and, and we had a lady call us and, and she was saying, I can't believe this, this person is saying this, that, and the other, and I know that's a lie and, and all that stuff. And Christy was on the phone with her and, and, uh, and she goes, you, you don't even sound like you're, you're bothered by it or you're worried about it. And I can't remember exactly what Christy said, but it was kind of like, well, it's, it's not true. So if it's not true, you know, we're just going to do what we can to bless the person and, and, um, and help them out and, and, you know, try to figure out what we can do. And, and uh, she told Lisa, won't you, won't you go and, um, if you don't mind, won't you go get some groceries and stuff and we'll pay for them and, and just bring them over there and, and, and uh, tell them that we love them and if they need something, let us know. And, and she was just sitting there like, we're, we're going to do something for them after they were talking ugly about our church and talking ugly about y'all. I'm like, yeah, because it's not true. And we're going to prove that it's not true. Amen. Stand up on your feet. I want to thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you would like to help us increase our outreach, please like, share, and subscribe to our channel so that we can bring the word of God to friends and family near you. Don't forget you can check out our location, other podcasts and service times, on our website at woftx.com. If you're in the East Texas area, we'd love for you to stop by and join in for one of our services. We're glad you chose our podcast. Be blessed. We'll see you next time.